I love our church. I love how kind we are and how uh, people in our church are willing to step up and meet others' needs when they're able. Um, I love that we care about each other and that we're champions of the Pacific League co-ed softball uh, league here in Wilsonville. I love that we laugh together. I love, 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 love that people don't jet out as soon as church is over because I've uh, been a part of churches like that and I've visited churches like that. And, you know, you could be a thousand person church, but, but you're smaller than our church two minutes after the last day men, you know, and you're just out of here. Uh, but there is one reason that I wouldn't go to our church. Uh, there is... One reason that I would not be a part of this church if I didn't believe in the future and the vision and I just showed up off the street and was trying to pick a church, doing a little church shopping. And uh, there is, to be honest with you, one reason, one thing about raising my soon-to-be-here daughter, hopefully we get through church first, but uh, soon-to-be-here daughter in this congregation that I'm worried about, that I don't like, that, uh, that concerns me, frankly. And it's, it's simply, ready? the way that this church sings to God. I think, to be quite honest, Kevin read part of my sermon on my iPad back there. He said, you're not going to say that, are you? But now I'm saying it. Uh, I think, to be quite honest with you, uh, that the way we sing to God is, is not honoring to God a lot of times and, frankly, quite embarrassing to me as the pastor and maybe other people who take seriously kind of this call to sing to God when visitors come in. Uh, a couple of weeks ago after uh, we were singing and I was, I was just kind of, you know, I don't really look around that much, but I was kind of noticing. And it's like, I just want to go home because it's, it's pretty apparent that people don't really care to be here and engage with God. And so what's the point of my sermon? Because we believe that, you know, when, you, when you're singing, uh, then you're kind of saying something to God. And when I'm preaching the Word of God, not just because it's me or anything like that, but when I'm preaching the Word of God, then we're receiving from God. And if you don't really care to say anything to God, then you probably don't even care to receive anything from God. It concerns me because, as you know, if you've been around, it's a big deal to me to have children stay in our, in our services. And, and Brynn and I have even talked that we may never use the nursery. And I'm sorry for the crying and all that ahead of time. But, uh, but it, it's very important to me. I've written about this. I've thought about this. I've, I defend this, uh, that children stay in church with us. And, and the reason that that's so important to me is because it, it's obvious, you know this, that kids learn in large part through experiencing and through following the example of others. My little nephew, who's right back there, every time he hits a ball, we play, we, I pitch, he hits, or somebody pitches, he hits. Every time he hits it, he starts running, and then at the very end, he dives down on the ground, no matter if we're on concrete or dirt or carpet or whatever, and then we yell, safe. Nobody ever taught Rogan to slide. That would have been a dumb thing to do. He simply has watched his dad slide, because Matt slides every time that he touches a base, it seems like. Uh, that's why we're champions, baby. He's watched his dad do it enough times, and he just followed suit. Nobody said, hey, slide on this concrete. He just went, that's what you do. And I'm concerned for my daughter that she'll show up year after year in this congregation because we plan on being here for the long haul. And she'll show up and she'll just learn to sing in a way that doesn't align with what I believe is the heart of God, what we'll talk about in this series. Uh, she won't sing in a way that suggests that she actually loves 
Jesus. She won't sing in a way that, that, that is reflective of what we will someday experience in heaven. But instead, she'll just kind of go through the motions like you. You know, I hear things in this congregation. I've heard, I've heard about people saying these things. They suggest to me that, that maybe you just don't get it. And that's part of the reason we're doing this series. Things like this. Maybe we should do less music. Man, after today's sermon, after what you see in the word of God, I'm hoping you'll go, maybe we should do more music. Maybe we should just sit here singing for a couple of hours. Because if something pleases God, as we'll see today, if something pleases God, then wouldn't you want to do more of it? Saying we should do less music is kind of like saying we should be a little less loving. We should do a little less serving. We should do a little less talking about Jesus. We should do a little less evangelism. I don't think that aligns with the heart of God. Or how about this? I just don't like church music. I don't really care what kind of music you like. I only care that you follow the word of God. Or how about this? I don't really feel like singing. And nobody says that one, but sometimes you just think it and then you kind of sit there and, and you just go through the motions because people around you are looking or whatever it was. Or this, and I've talked, I whine about this a lot with my sermons and sometimes with the music. The music was good. What does that mean? We're not singing for you. This band, and I know them all quite well, none of them are singing for you. They're not up here because they want you to walk away going, that was good, or, you know, that was bad, depending on the Sunday, because they're still not singing for you. It's not the point. They're not up here so that you can feel good, and if you ever, and you do this, I know, because we, I grew up in a family that went to church, and we would do this. If you ever say the music was good or the music was bad, then this sermon series that we're about to begin this morning is for you because you don't get, maybe, that singing in church is not for you. I don't sing for you. In fact, if you asked me to sing to you, I'd politely decline because I don't like to sing in front of people. But I'm perfectly willing to sing for God. You know, I don't, I don't just think it's us who has a problem, although I think it's, it's the worst thing we do as a church. I really think it's the worst thing we do as a church. I feel pretty good about where our church has come to at this point and where we're going and the direction and the vision. Uh, but, but we're just... I don't know if you've ever taken a minute and looked around. I don't know if, you, if you've ever thought about, how does this look? to some, If somebody walked in here, would they believe me? I mean, would they actually believe that I, uh, th these things that I'm saying? Would they go, yeah, they really, they really shout to the Lord, man. I mean, you know, shout to the Lord because they don't look like they're shouting, nor do they look like they're even singing. Or if they do, they kind of look like... Now to the Lord, all the earth. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be real. And I'm not, now look, time, time, ready? You're going to go, are you really challenging my heart? No, I'm not. I don't know what's in your heart, and I don't know what you are actually expressing, and so I'm not, I'm not actually challenging that at all. Uh, you may have a perfect attitude, and, and if you're feeling defensive right now, maybe not, but if you're not feeling defensive, then you may have a perfect attitude about singing, but perhaps you've never been uh, educated on what the Bible kind of says about singing, and so this sermon series would be for you too. As a kid, I remember sometimes uh, my family, and I'm sorry if you're in my family and I'm throwing you under the bus, that happens here and there, uh, but you're a good family. Uh, I love you and they were great and we love Jesus and all that, but, but sometimes we'd go late to church to miss the music. 
It was like, this isn't what we want. It feels too much like a show. It's not our kind of music. It doesn't fit what we desire. And so we would just show up late and hope that we missed a few of the songs and then we'd get there for the sermon. And that was me. So if it feels like I'm just talking about you, I'm talking about me too in some ways. And then on the other side, and this is not most people at our church, this might not be anybody in our church, but some people seem to just get sucked up in the emotion of singing, and it becomes all about the emotion of what they're doing, and there's really no substance to it, and maybe you've been in an experience like this, and you go, wait a minute, like, I've been with this person at church, and they're never into singing, but now they get here with 20,000 people, and wow, they get real caught up in it, and real fired up, and their hands are up, and they're all kinds of an emotional experience for them and we went down and I've mentioned this to a church and visited uh, when we went down for a hockey trip Brandon Graham and I uh, and we stopped at this church and man alive like the emotion of the singing was awesome like boom everything we experienced because they're writing you know every song that we're singing now on Sunday mornings it seems like it was it was awesome and then they just got up and they started like saying things that weren't true and it's like wait a minute like, it doesn't seem that you inherently love Jesus more than the people that I go to church with. And so I had to assume that, like, you know, 2,000 of the 4,000 people there were just simply caught up in the great musicians and the great music. And I would say no more for them than for you, that, that probably it was all about them. And so it's kind of the opposite side where it's just this grand emote, like we're like robots. I mean, they're just like, you know, this emotional basket cases that maybe aren't even considering what they're singing or thinking about what they're singing or caring what they're singing. They just like that they got thousands of people around them kind of singing the same thing and it feels good and they go away going, I felt really good about myself because of that, you know? And so I see that we're missing. We're frankly missing. And from those comments, like maybe we should do less music or I don't like church music or I don't feel like singing or the music was good, it seems that maybe we've allowed for the idea to come into our heads and to our hearts that, that maybe music isn't that important to God. Now, a couple of things. If, if it's your first Sunday here, I'll repeat that I really like our church. Come back. Um, uh, but it's a perfect Sunday to be here because we are starting this series. And whether you're a Christian uh, or a non-Christian, I think that, that we're going to get to the heart of why we sing in this series. And, and hopefully over kind of the next three and a half uh, sermons, we'll start to put a little, uh, a little logic, a little spiritual kind of truth behind the reason that we sing. And I, I think it's going to change are singing. And if you're not a Christian, you'll, you'll at least have an answer to why we sing because it is kind of a weird thing that we do. There's not many organizations who are going to gather outside of going to a concert this week and, and then sing to a guy that they can't even see and express their love to him. And, and that feels weird for a lot of people who haven't grown up in the church and maybe that's you. And, and so you'll, you'll start to hopefully kind of put the pieces together and go, well, I kind of get why they do it now and I get the point of it and I get the reason for it. And then if you're a Christian, I'm hoping this is the goal that, that after four weeks is up, you're going to go, oh, the Bible does talk about singing quite a bit. I have so much I would like to say in this sermon today. It was more about cutting than it was about getting more in there. And I mean, the Bible says a lot about singing. And it gives me direction on why to sing. And it shows me how powerful singing can be. 
and, and hopefully, this is, this is really the hope, is that our church will move forward in the way that we sing. Now, I'm not going to fault you for where you are right now. Maybe nobody's ever said to you, like, God actually cares about the way that you sing. Maybe nobody's ever said that, or there's reason that we sing, and, uh, and, and when we sing, it's a reflection of heaven, uh, and that God really has endorsed this whole singing deal quite a bit. Uh, maybe you've never been told that. Maybe you've never thought about it, and that's okay, but, but here's, here's what I ask as we launch into this and we think about these things and we talk about these things, you, you have to be open to the idea. And, and while I, I would be like, if I was talking about certain issues, I would say like the people who, you know, maybe haven't been Christians as long or, or um, you know, don't care as much to hear the word of God, they might reject this. This is, this is a sermon series where, where the longer you've been in the church, and the more established kind of your roots are and, and your traditions and the way you've gone about your business, maybe the harder it's going to be for you to go, okay, because you've already had these preconceived notions maybe from you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of being in the church that maybe if you do it a different way that you're not doing it the right way or maybe you've made excuses for the way you're doing it so long that, that it's gonna be hard for you all of a sudden to go, yeah, I guess I should move forward in that area of my life. And so please, this is just my hope, my request, just take down the guards, say maybe I haven't been doing it right. Maybe there's something more that I should be doing when I sing. Maybe there's a way I should be doing it that's different. Maybe my heart towards music, and that hopefully will, will be the thing that changes the most. Your heart about this singing to God thing will, will just be changed if you'll say, I'm, I'm open, God, to you actually changing this in me. Because we like our traditions and we like to do things the way that we've always done them. And, and at our church, we've created a culture where you can come here, I think, and we have this lot of different kind of church backgrounds, and you can be a part of our church. Whether you went to a church where it was all about the motion, or you went to a church where it was all about the liturgy, kind of the order of things, and you kind of sang what a mighty fortress is our God, but nobody really cared, but you knew you were doing it out of truth, and that was good. We've created a culture here where all that is kind of allowed, and you can be that person, but my fear is by kind of creating that culture, we get stuck sometimes in the way that we do worship, because maybe what what we've, we've said is different is just worse. And, and so I'm asking that you'll put down your guards and, and this morning you'll kind of take a journey with me just through kind of the Bible. We're gonna read a lot of verses this morning uh, as we set this up to just see that God cares because really what I believe, I think I might be right, that people with certain church backgrounds and maybe even if you don't have a certain church background, but you've come to our church and so you've got sucked up and kind of a little bit lifeless, a lifeless approach to singing to God, uh, I think that somewhere inside of us, even the longest tenured Christians, we go, it's just not as important as other things. It's just not that big a deal. I mean, the way that I sing, the way that I approach this just isn't that concerning to God, as long as I'm avoiding sin and, you know, not doing some of the big stuff. I think we're going to see this morning quite clearly that it is a very big deal to God. And so we'll begin in 1 Chronicles 6, 31 through 32. And there we read something that you're not expecting at all. These are the men David put in charge of the music in the house of the Lord after the ark came to rest there. 
They ministered with music before the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, until Solomon built the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. They performed their duties according to the regulations laid down for them. So the book of 1 Chronicles stops, and it gives us just this little snapshot into what is happening at the tabernacle. King David, the king over the land, put in charge men and women, probably by the um, expectation of God, through the, the will of God. He put in charge these men. There was not men and women. I'm just used to saying that to be politically correct. Just these men uh, in charge of leading the music. Now, let me just tell you what the tabernacle was. The tabernacle was a tent that the people had set up as they traveled, first of all, as they were exiled in the middle of the wilderness. But as the Israelites moved in Jerusalem, they set up a more permanent tent structure. And in that place, the presence of God was powerful. When Moses is out and he goes into the tent, you may have heard this story before, when he comes out of the tent, he would glow because the presence of God was so strong in the tent of meeting. And so this permanent tabernacle in Jerusalem is the place where God's presence is most fully, most fully visible. Okay? And David sets up a group of men to lead the music there. If you move to 2 Chronicles 7, 6, this is what you read. At the opening of the temple. So after time, they go, wait, we're here. We're in Jerusalem. We're not moving. We're going to be here for a while. Let's build a temple. That's David's idea. His son Solomon builds it. And at the dedication of the temple, here's what we read. The priests took their positions, as did the Levites, with the Lord's musical instruments, which King David had made for praising the Lord and which were used when he gave thanks, saying his love endures forever. Opposite the Levites, the priests blew their trumpets, and the Israelites were standing. At that, on that day, at that moment, the presence of God was so full in the temple that it says the other priests could not actually do their work because it was a cloud that had covered the place. And Solomon prays and Solomon offers a sacrifice, and then in the midst of it, the Bible again stops to say, oh, by the way, There were men in charge of the music and they blew those trumpets and the people stood there and it looks like they're about to start singing. Centuries later, after the temple had been destroyed and rebuilt, uh, a guy named Nehemiah, who's working for the Assyrians, finds out that the city is in shambles and that people aren't doing the will of God. And so he returns to build the wall. And the building of the wall is kind of like this dangerous deal because there's tons of opposition and people don't want their city to be fortified, Jerusalem, because they know that that could pose a problem for the land that was overseeing them and ruling over them and it exiled them. And so Nehemiah comes back and he faces opposition and he builds the temple and he tries to, or he builds the wall and he tries to set things right in the temple so that they're actually doing the will of God and they open the word and they celebrate the festivities. And then in Nehemiah 12, 27, this is what we read. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. You see, what it, it seems to say in the word of God is where God's presence is most fully visible, where God manifests himself Most powerfully, music 
becomes extremely important. Now, I've talked about this and written about this a lot, but we believe that when Jesus comes on the scene and he sets up this thing called church, that it is no longer a tent and it's no longer a temple where God's presence is most fully visible, but it is actually in the gathering of his people in a place that we call church. And so when we come here, we can just take this and go, wait a minute. If we are the duplication, the, the, the extension of the tabernacle where God was and the temple where God was, if, if this is where his presence now is, then it's quite clear that for centuries... He has set up music to be a part of that. And so when we gather in the presence of God, when we come to church on a Sunday morning and we sing, it's something that God has desired and wanted and prescribed for literally thousands of years. Martin Luther, kind of speaking generally about music, but I think it fits right here, said a person who gives this some thought and yet does not regard it, music, as a marvelous creation of God must be a clodhopper. Indeed, and does not deserve to be called a human being, he should be permitted to hear nothing but the braying of donkeys. He didn't say the word donkey, but you know, I made it more appropriate. Of donkeys and the grunting of hogs. He should be permitted to hear nothing but the braying of donkeys and the grunting of hogs. Because Martin Luther just looked at the Bible. And so this, this thing that we call singing, this thing that we call music, is a big deal to God. You see, singing is a prescribed part of the, the congregational, the assembly worship of God. He said, I want this to happen. Make this happen. Make this a part of what you are doing. But there's this other thing that we see. In the Bible, singing isn't just something that has been prescribed by God, that he said you will do this. It is also a very natural expression, response to when God works in our life. Exodus 15, 1. You may know the story of the Exodus. Um, if you've ever seen like, you know, a movie or anything, then, then you may have seen like, uh, like uh, the Ten Commandments or you may have seen uh, the Prince of Egypt, the cartoon. And so you kind of know that God supernaturally gets the Israelite people out of Egypt by doing these plagues on the nation of Egypt. And then there's like this chase scene where the Israelites are following the fire of God and the Egyptians are right on their heels. And then the Red Sea hearts and they go through it on dry land the bible tells us and then the sea crashes down on the egyptians and they're now on the other side and right after that in exodus 15 1 we read then moses and the israelites sang this song to the lord i will sing to the lord for he is highly exalted you see their natural response was to sing look what god did i'll sing same, after the Israelites are saved by God in Judges 5, 1 through 3. On that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abinoam, sang this song. When the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. Hear this, you kings. Listen, you rulers. I even, I will sing to the Lord. I will praise the Lord, the God of Israel, in song. God saves, people sing. You see, one blog, one blog said this, and I think this is good. We see songs of deliverance from Genesis to Revelation. Whenever God comes through and a prayer is answered, a melody is not far away. 
The Spirit seems to form the words from the grateful worshiper, God is praised and His truth reaffirmed. When God delivers His people, His people sing. It's just a part of what they do and always has been a part of what we do if we are God followers and if we have been redeemed by God. And here's the thing, here's the thing. We believe as Christians, if you're a Christian, this is what you believe, that we were dead in our sins and transgressions, that we were destined for an eternity in hell, and then Jesus stepped out of heaven, died on a cross, rose again so that our sin might be taken away, and he ascended back into heaven where he takes care of us and he looks after us and he he loves us and he's good to us. And so we have the ultimate ultimate reason to sing and yet sometimes we go we should maybe just do one less song you see singing wasn't just something God prescribed singing is something that God has created in us to be a natural expression a natural response to when he does something incredible John Piper who I'm going to quote again in a second but I think this matters here says that all music apart from music that worships God, is just prostitution of his creation. Because he has created us in a way that makes us want to sing, that makes us want to to have music when we want to express our love and our devotion to him because we are responding to what he has done for us. It's not just something he's prescribed, it's something that he's actually created to be in us. And you go, well, I'm just not that much into it. But think about it. Maybe you've pushed it down because culturally it's not cool to want to sing or something. But when you're like, when you're like connected to something emotionally, you sing. Or you want to sing or music touches you in a new way. I think of this moment that that we had that my uncle didn't have, who you know, uh, many of you, uh, because he was puking in a hotel room. But it was uh, at SeaWorld. We went to SeaWorld. We were in San Diego and... And uh, the first Gulf War had just started. And there was this laser light show, which was really cool at the time. Um, I could just do it on my projector now. But at the time, it was, it was incredible. And they started to sing, um, God bless the USA. And, and everybody around us is crying. Because they were responding to their emotions through this moment of music. It wasn't the green lights that were going all around us. It was the music that touched their soul. If you've ever been broken up with, then you know that like new songs become very important to you. I was just saying to my dad yesterday, actually, I don't like country music as much anymore because I have a pretty good marriage and I haven't been broken up with in a long time, you know? I mean, it, it just doesn't resonate in my soul anymore. But, but when I was at that age, you know, and getting my heart broken, it was like I was drawn to slow country music because it expressed something in a way that I could not just express through words. And words couldn't express what I felt, but the music could express what I was experiencing. And I believe it's because God has created us with that inherently in us. Have you ever just like 
heard a song, I mean, you're at a concert and you get caught up in that moment. There's something about that music. You like bands a lot of times. You do because they say something that you feel. I mean, nobody can actually just like screamo music, right? I mean, it's because somebody has something angry inside of them in this musical expression that I don't get at all. They get it because it's expressing something that's in them. It's totally natural because supernaturally has been placed into us at creation. So God has prescribed it. He said, look, sing to me. When you gather in my presence, sing to me. He's created us with just kind of a natural affinity to sing and to express our emotions. And here's the other part. When you look at the book of Psalms, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Psalms is just a giant collection of songs. I mean, he's just shown us what it looks like to want to worship him in song. And here's what Psalm 95, 1 and 2 says. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. The psalm that says to sing, by the way, and you don't ignore a lot of things in the Bible, but maybe sometimes you just kind of ignore this. Well, let us shout aloud. I mean, when's the last time we shouted aloud, you know? I mean, let us come before him with thanksgiving. I mean, this is, this is not language that suggests... It's not what the Psalms are describing here. It's describing something else. Now, there's some stuff that the Psalms show us. And you'll notice at the beginning in most of your Bibles when it's the psalm, it's like, hey, by the way, this is meant to be played on this instrument. You ever think about it? Wait a minute. It's a song. Like, I, you know, like it's songs. And here's some things we learn from the psalms. First of all, we can sing together or alone. And there's this interesting thing that I usually have tried to avoid in church, but this morning I had no problem doing it because I knew what I was going to say. Uh, but, but the psalms switch back and forth between the singular and the plural. And, and so it goes from... I think this God to we think this God about you and about what you're doing and what you have done and all of that. And so it seems to suggest, and we'll talk more about this in the, in the next couple of weeks, but it seems to suggest that singing to God is something that, that we do by ourselves sometimes. And singing to God is something that we do when we gather together with other Christians. Something else that the Psalms Show us. The Psalms show us that we can sing kind of in three different ways, three different directions. And this is not something I was attuned to until studying for this sermon, uh, but it says that we can sing or shows that we can sing directly to God. And that's the kind that I've always liked. Our God is an awesome, wait, that's not right. Like, we love you, Lord, and we lift our voice. We'll sing that in a minute. We love you. We're singing to you, to God. And those are the kind that I've always gone like, that's what I like because I am singing to God and I want to sing to God. But the psalm shows us there's two other kind of directions that we can sing. There's two other directions that we can sing that are also in some way singing to God because they are, first of all, uh, proclaiming the mighty acts of God. You can read Psalm 106 too. And so when we sing like, amazing love, how can it be that you, my king, have died for me? And then we sing like, you are my king, we're singing to God. But if we sing, our God is an awesome God, to go back to that example, we're singing something about God. And yet God is pleased and he's glorified and he's magnified through it. Sometimes in Psalms, there's just like a history lesson. I mean, it's just like David is just pouring out the history lesson of their nation and saying, look, this is what God has done. And he's creating a song to say, God has done this. And then the other part, and this is going to be like 
just the driving force of what we talk about next week. Uh, we can praise God. We can sing to God uh, by the act of exhorting others to honor Him. And you can read that in Psalm 96, 2 through 4. And so a big part of singing, I won't, I won't get it all out there now because this is like next week's sermon. A big part of singing is to encourage the other people around you. And so we sing things like in the song, uh, How Great Is Our God by Chris Tomlin. We actually sing, sing with me, how great is our God. Come on, sing with me, how great is our God. And a part of singing is simply to encourage others to worship God more fully. Here's what, what else the Psalms shows us. The Psalms show us that we can sing for a variety of reasons. Not just in a variety of directions, but a variety of reasons. We should note the sheer breadth of what is sung in the Bible, especially in Psalms, and this is a quote, confession, lament, praise, thanksgiving, history lesson, exhortation, prayer for deliverance, prayer of hope, petition. P.T. Forsyth, an author, says the song and music provides the soul with the spiritual vehicle. It gives, as it were, a fiery chariot to the sun. And born invisible upon sound, spirit passes into spirit, hearts melt into heart, the soul of man meets and embraces the soul of man in delight, and speeding on the wings of the audible word, the spirit of God enters and communes with the spirit of man. Music is, as it were, the ray of divine divine light which makes the soul vocal as it falls on it. Have you ever come to church and gone, well, I'm not really in the mood for that. There's no such a mood. That's what the Psalms show us. There's no such a mood as I'm not in the mood to sing. Because we should sing out of every type of emotion and every type of response to what's happening in our lives. We should be expressing ourselves in music to God. Let me just give you some examples. Like on Easter, we have these songs of declaration that we, that we connect with emotionally. That's pretty easy because we show up on Easter and we're excited about what Jesus has done. He's risen from the grave. And then we sing like, I know he rescued my soul. His blood has covered my sin. I believe, I believe. My shame he's taken away. My pain is healed in his name. I believe, I believe. I'll raise a banner because my Lord has conquered the grave. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. We come and we just are ready to declare like, I believe this about you and I'm celebrating today because you got out of the grave. Or how about like, and this happens a lot in our church, like when you're pumped after a sermon. You're actually, you're like excited to celebrate God, to do something for God. And, and so we sing, and we always get into this one as a church. All stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. And people stand up and they raise their hands like they don't usually in our church because God has stirred something in you and there's an excitement. And you're like, I want to respond to this. Or how about confession of sin? I mean, right after I really understood how much Jesus had paid for me, how much he had done on the cross to forgive me for my sins and he had broken me all the way down and and really just made me understand what a wretched sinner I was and how much his grace really mattered. The song that just every, I just wanted to sing it and I would cry, amazing love, how can it be that you, my king, would die for me? Uh, And it was that last part, I mean, you know, we liked the other part, you are my king, but for me it was like, how could you possibly have died for me? And, And this music gave me a natural expression to say, God, I don't get why you would do this for me. Or how about when you're like preparing to do something good for God? I, I, we'd go to Night Strike when I was the youth pastor at this church, and that's a, a homeless ministry under the Burnside Bridge in Portland. And, and every time the director there, Marshall, would have people sing this, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. 
pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Or how about this one, one that I like to think about before I'm preaching, before I come to church. You don't even know this song, but it's by Todd Agnew, who used to be the leader of Sonic Flood. It's called Be Lifted Up, and it's just, be lifted up, be lifted up, be lifted up. As we bow down, be lifted up. And when I get up to preach a sermon or I come to church, I just want to say, God, like, I want to bow down. I want this to be me lowering myself before you and not building myself up until you be lifted up as I lower myself for you. Or how about, like, moments where you just, you don't feel good at all and you're angry at God. We had a prayer gathering this week and... um, or a couple weeks ago now, I guess, and we sang beforehand, and my dog had died on the Sunday before, and I've, I've already whined about everything that's seemingly gone wrong in my life uh, lately, and you know what? I, I don't even like saying this out loud, but I, what I wanted to sing is, screw you, God. That's what I, I felt in my soul. You did this to me. You let this happen. I prayed to you, but instead I chose to sing right along, and there's a song that's always connected in those kind of moments. And I'll read it to you in a second, but my grandma told me this story from a young age, right after her dad had died, which is way worse than having a dog die. Uh, She remembered that her dad had said to her just a month or so before, just weeks before, when she was sitting in church being sad and she wasn't singing, he had leaned over and said, why aren't you singing? And she said, I don't feel like it. He said, it's not about what you feel like, it's about singing to God because he deserves it. And in those moments where life is terrible, Sometimes we just sing despite what we think God has done to us. And the song that I always think of is, is blessed be your name. You give and take away. Still my heart will say, blessed be your name. You're not saying, God, I feel good. God, this is awesome. You're saying, you did something I don't like, but I'm still going to praise you because of who you are and what I already know about you. What about when you just sing to God, I don't know, whatever song, I need you. I need you. Every hour, Lord, I need you because you're looking at your life and you're going, I just don't feel very good and I don't know what's going to happen next, but God, I need you. You see, if you say, I, feel, I don't feel like singing, then you don't understand the singing thing. You always feel like singing. And maybe the song isn't going to perfectly match up. Sometimes it does. And in those moments, I, that's when it really gets down to it, right? Like when we sing the perfect song, but I'm sorry, there's too many of you for us to get the perfect song every time. There's songs that I want to change to some Sunday mornings, but I don't because it's not about me. But, but we get those moments. But the other songs, you just got to sing them from a place that, that, that is your emotion. I mean, it's, it's where you're coming from. When we say, Holy Spirit, come this morning. You might not go like, I'm just pumped about the Holy Spirit right now because Chad did such a good job with that sermon series a couple weeks ago. You might be going, man, I just put up a paper because I don't know where my next meal is coming from and I'm just worried to death about what I'm gonna eat today. And you sing, Holy Spirit, come because you know that you need the Holy Spirit to do something. Or maybe you just came here excited today and you're like, man, God's been working and maybe you put up, you put up the hang loose and you're like, I've been seeing God move and, and when you sing Holy Spirit, you come, I mean, we need you, you're, you're just singing it because you want more of what God is already doing. You see, there's no such mood. If you read the book of Psalms, that isn't a mood that requires us, that compels us, that shows us that we ought to express our love for God, our devotion to God no matter what, our our pain in God, our joy in God to God through music. That's what the Psalms show us. David cries, sings to God. 
David laughs, he sings to God. David wants to go kill an enemy, he sings to God. I mean, he just sings to God over and over and over again. And then there's this, Hebrews 2.12. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. It's quoting Jesus. That's Jesus. Let me read it to you again now that you know. He says, he says, Jesus says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. He says, I'll sing to the Father. Romans 15, 9, which some would argue is, is talking about Jesus, says, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Or how about Mark 14, 26? This is about Jesus and his disciples. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Just say this, if Jesus isn't too good being God, part of the Trinity, if Jesus isn't too good uh, to sing to the Father, then you're not either, no matter how you feel about church music. And I would also add this, that if Jesus found kind of, you know, the courage to sing out that hymn when he knew he was about to go into a garden where he would be arrested and beaten and mocked, uh, persecuted and then nailed to a cross, you can probably find it in you on your worst day. And, and here's what I don't think Jesus did. I just, maybe you do, I don't know, this is just kind of an argument from silence, but I don't think Jesus left after singing that hymn and went, man, that would have been better if we could have just done a song I liked. You picture that? Can you picture that at all? You can't picture that, can you? Because it's kind of outrageous. Or how about what if Jesus would have been like, man, I could have really got into that hymn, but Peter was singing off key. That's ridiculous, right? Or how about this? Man, if the lighting in the upper room was just a bit better, that song would have really connected. I mean, if we could have got a little darker, a little lighter in there, that would have hit me. I don't think he would have said that. Or, hey, if I wasn't stressed about dying tomorrow, I really would have got into it. He might have said that, but I'm pretty sure he didn't because Jesus, I'm guessing, sang that hymn with all his might, knowing that he was going to die the next day. What about this? If we had a piano player or an organ player or a different style of music, I really would have got into that. I don't think they had a band up there, just 12 guys that probably weren't great singers based on their professions. I know that's a stereotype, but it seems that way sometimes. Uh, they don't seem like kind of artsy kind of guys up there singing. I don't think Jesus said maybe if the style was different. Or how about this one? And I know a lot of you use it. If I had a better voice, I'd really get into that music. We don't know that Jesus had a good voice, and I'm guessing he never would have thought about it. He just would have sang with all his might. Man. And this is my question. If Jesus isn't above singing, despite being in some room that wasn't his home, despite being with guys who sang off key, despite not having you know, the people in the band that maybe he would have preferred, despite the hymn being selected you know, by God, his father in heaven way back when the Passover meal started uh, and not his own personal selection. I mean, despite all that, Jesus just sang. And we come in and say, well, I'd sing if God met my expectations. God in human form said, I'm not going to try to meet my own expectations. I'll just sing. And we go, well, I would sing if God met my expectations. Or if this church met my expectations, then I would really get into this. I just want to ask this, when we sing, how do we sing? And we're going to talk more about this next week, but there's just a couple of verses because we'll look at the epistles over the next two weeks. That's the letters in the New Testament, and then we'll look at the book of Revelation in the final week. Um, but today, there's, just, there's one verse in the Old Testament that I want to show you, and then one in the New. Amos, Amos 5.23 says, Away with the noise of your songs. 
I will not listen to the music of your harps. God looks down at one point in history of the Israelite people and says, I'm not going to listen to your music. In fact, just stop it. And you know why? He said it because they weren't really caring about what he was saying. They weren't being obedient to him. They weren't listening to him. They didn't really care. And they would show up in their gatherings and they go, well, this is a prescribed part of worship. And so get the harps out and let's make a song. And some of you, perhaps you don't feel like God really cares about your singing. Maybe you don't really feel like singing because you aren't being obedient to God in other areas of your life. I have talked about how our church sings uh, with another pastor. And uh, one time he said this to me, and it was a pretty eye-opening comment. He said, imagine what their personal relationship with God is like if that's how they're singing when others are watching. You know, it's like that thing, if somebody will be a jerk to their girlfriend in front of you, they're probably a big-time jerk behind, uh, you know, when other people aren't watching. And if you're willing to just kind of go through the motions and not really sing to God when people are watching, then what's happening in your personal devotion time? Maybe you're just being disobedient to God all week. And you show up here, and I've been there. I have been there. Where I'm like, I am going to be a hypocrite if I sing this song right now. Like, if I open my mouth and start singing, I'll follow you, and all I do, I'm a liar. Because I haven't even followed him today, nor have I cared to follow him all week. I've been there, and I think that could be true of some of you. And so the first way that we must sing is we must sing from a place that says, I I want to be obedient to you always, God. We must sing from a place that says, God, I, I love you and I care about you and, I, and now I'm, this is an expression of what I've been trying to do all week. And, and I'm not saying you'll be perfect and you need to come here perfect or anything like that, but you should have at least tried to live for God during the week if you really want this singing to matter to God, if you're really going to sing from your heart to God. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, we'll come back to this verse next week too, but uh, Paul says this, and he's talking about a corporate gathering here. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. Check this out. I will sing with my spirit, but I'll also sing with my understanding. Our songs cannot just come from our mouths. Our songs must come from our understanding and from our spirits. That place that that is unexplainable. It's just what makes us us. It's not just our minds. It's not just our emotions. It's really from the depths of our soul. It's coming from from the darkest and the the deepest places of, of who we are as people. And Paul is talking to this church And this church has tons of problems. I mean, they are a way worse church than our church. I like our church. We have a lot of good things. We care about each other and we love each other and we don't get drunk before we come to church. That gives us a leg up on the Corinthian church. You know, I mean, lots of good stuff going on here. We care about people. We're outreaching. We're now working to help foster children. So many great things. But Paul says to this church, he feels the need to say to the church in Corinth, this church that is just messed up in just about every way that you could possibly imagine. He pauses and says, when I sing, I sing from my understanding and from my spirit. And I think some of us here maybe sing from, our, I don't even know if we sing from understanding. We just sing. 
We sing because the lyrics are up there. We sing because there's a band. We sing because we sang last week and the week before and the year before and the year before. We sing because we're supposed to. We sing because the guy next to us is singing. But, it, but it's pretty apparent that, that sometimes, maybe oftentimes, maybe all the time, we don't sing, understanding, thinking about, grasping a hold of the words that we're singing and from a place deep in our souls. God prescribes it. He creates, us, he creates it in us, and then he describes it for us in the book of Psalms. And then he says, I want you to sing from a place that suggests you're trying to live for me, and I want you to sing in your understanding and from your spirits. John Piper declares that we should think truly and feel duly. Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, or with the Spirit, and it's directly, directly before a call to sing. Another verse we'll come back to. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, sing. That's what Paul says to us. And so when we sing, we're not just singing from a place that we could sing every song on the radio, but a place that is driven by the Holy Spirit and flows through our spirit. And here's the question I'll ask. When you sing on a Sunday morning to God, or when you sing alone with a CD, do you sing any different because you are a Christian? I mean, could anybody that doesn't believe what, you're, what you believe and, and understand what you understand or have uh, made the claims that you have claimed or come to the faith that you have come to, could they sing exactly the same? Because I think, I believe that for a lot of you they could. They could come here. They could feel a little emotion, maybe, if the band's really hitting the notes. They could look at the words and go, those are pretty, or I like this one, and I don't like this one, or whatever, and they could make music come out of their mouths. We can all do that. Every person alive can do that. But the question becomes, when you sing to God, do you sing any differently? Because you are a Christian, if you are a Christian. John Piper also said this, music and singing are necessary to Christian faith and worship for the simple reason that the realities of God and Christ, creation and salvation, heaven and hell are so great that when they are known truly and felt duly, they demand more than discussion and analysis and description. They demand poetry and song and music. Singing is the Christian's way of saying, God is so great that thinking will not suffice. There must be deep feeling, and talking will not suffice. There must be singing. Ralph Martin, another author, said, the reality of God and Christ and creation and salvation and heaven and hell are simply too great for mere speaking. They must also be sung. God prescribes that we sing. God describes our singing. God created us to sing. God has told us that we ought to sing from the Holy Spirit and in our spirits. And, and so I just, I'll just leave it with this. The act of singing to God is of paramount importance. And when you sing, it should be something that, that you look at as a powerful tool to express your love, your devotion, your anger, your frustration, your joy, and your suffering to the God who has created and saved you. It's a big deal.
And so sing and sing from your spirit. Will you pray with me? Lord, I pray that this sermon would fall in the right place in people's hearts and minds and their spirits, Lord. Um, Lord, I want to be a church that continues to teach truth, that continues to reach out, that continues to love each other, that continues to, to hope and pray and try to compel people to believe that you are the savior of the world. But I also want to be a church, Lord, that sings in a way that pleases you. I, I want to be a church that isn't just obedient to you by trying to follow your rules and do the right things and go through the right motions, but I want to be a church that is obedient to you because when we sing, we sing in such a way that suggests that we do believe in what you have done, and we sing in such a way that suggests that we do believe that you have called us to it, and we sing in such a way that, that we are expressing our emotions to you no matter what those emotions are, Lord. I want to be a church that when people come in here, God, they look around and they go, wow, those people believe what they're singing. God, I, I just want to be a church that takes seriously this call that we've seen this morning. And Lord, I understand, I understand, God, that for these people in front of me, these people even behind me, that where we have come from, if we've been a part of church, makes it very difficult to change how we do church. It's not just a church thing, Lord. You know that that's, that's part of us as humans. We don't like change. We get stuck in ruts. We do the same things over and over. But God, your Holy Spirit is more powerful than our traditions. Your Holy Spirit is more powerful than our past experiences. And so I pray that you would move in a mighty way, Lord. And you would cause us, not just for these next two songs, Lord, but for years and years and years forevermore to be a church that expresses our praise and our hurt and our devotion and our history everything that we need to say to you through song in a way that goes directly from our hearts to yours and you are pleased and people are moved. God, I want a church. I want to be a church where I am encouraged to get into singing more because the people around me are doing it. And so, Lord, I'm not just praying for one individual because it's hard to be the guy, the woman, who's trying to get everybody else to engage in song in a way that's real. I'm praying for us as a church to be a church that expresses musical worship in a way that is awesome, in a way that is real, in a way that connects us to your people in the tabernacle and to that moment in the temple when your presence was so strong, the other, the other people couldn't even do their work, but the singers could sing, Lord to that upper room, Jesus, where you sang, I'm sure with all your might. 
and in a way that connects us to what we will do in eternity in heaven when we fall before you and declare holy is he. Holy is the lamb who has suffered and died for us. Worthy, worthy, worthy. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy. And I pray that we would sing in such a way that suggests that we believe you are worthy. In your name, amen.